well. And we're back. And we're back. Welcome back to the Dave's Vault podcast, my brothers and sisters. <laughs> Aren't you lucky? Indeed. Well, I hope so. I think. I hope you think. Yeah. Anyway. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oh, hashtag blessed. How are you? Good. I'm Father Dan Kale. That's Father Stephen Felicia. We yeah. do this show every now and then, and uh, it's a delight to be with you, everybody who's listening. Yeah. Hey. hey. Very good. Glad to have you with us, or we're glad to be with you, which is probably closer to the truth. Yeah. Yeah. I'm celebrating the octave of St. Benedict right now. Uh, is that what you're doing as you drink? That's not fair life. It's not fair life. What is it? It's just coffee. Not just, it's some kind of coffee. Well, it's, it's a canned coffee thing. Okay. We're not going to name that one. No, apparently. because you'll end up bringing me, I'll end up so hyped up on caffeine, it's ridiculous. Uh, once I find out what it is, my brothers and sisters. Yeah, you're not going to find out. Anyway, it's impossible. You'll never find out. You know nothing. Oh, man. Yeah, so it's, it's uh, as part of my whole like novitiate for oblation to Clear Creek Abbey, uh, I pay very close attention to sort of the Benedictine calendar because they kind of have some different feast days they celebrate and stuff. And Monday was the Feast of St. Benedict, one of like three or four feasts of St. Benedict. Apparently there are many. And uh, this is the one that they have. The other one falls within Lent. Mm-hmm. So they can't party as much. <laughs> when it's time to party. Well, now it's time to party. It's in July. Right. So we're... You know, it's also the Feast of St. Henry. It is. Who Was is... Benedictine Oblate? Yes, yes no, that's no. right. He's <laughs> even patron of Benedictine Oblates, well, named, named by Pius, Pope St. Pius X. Well, there it is. There you go. How fitting, how appropriate. Well, because, I mean, think about it this way. In terms of, like... For one thing, just hierarchical things. We like to think, and we don't. We Americans have a hard time with thinking about uh, monarchy. Americans have a hard time thinking. <laughs> Americans have a hard time thinking. Period. Um, and I, I can say that because I am an American. Yeah, me too. Uh, At least I know I'm free. Oh boy. Anyways, anyway, so we don't like to think about things like empires because we have got away from one of those. Speak for yourself. Well. <laughs> Neo-monarchist. Neo, I'm not yeah. a neo-monarchist. I am. <laughs> I, my, May the Habsburgs reign forever. Anyway, my loyalty so, is to the republic, to democracy. Oh, no. I, I know what it's from. I know what that's from, too. Yeah, I saw uh, that movie. Yeah, I saw it. Okay. Saw it. Moving on. Saw it. Didn't care for it. And we're back. Anyway, that's a very, very obscure reference. If anyone knows where that's what that's from. I also know where that's from. Wow, we are just doing... Do you know where that's from? I do. It's a comedy special. Uh, let, them, let them guess. Let the good people guess. Anyway, so uh, we don't like to think of things in terms of empires necessarily. And so <laughs> when we think of Henry, who was emperor, Holy Roman Emperor. Holy, Holy Roman Emperor. Uh, Henry II and his uh, beloved wife, Kunigunda. Yes, I know. Also a name. saint. Also a saint. The only duo, I think, to be on in the Holy Roman Emperor Empire throne that were sainted. Yeah, I'm almost thinking. certainly. I'm certain of that. <laughs> Anyway, so he lived a holy life, desired to be a monk, but couldn't because he was like, you know, the emperor. He's also an incredible soldier. Yeah. I mean, there you go. Some of these things go together. I know, right? Just look at our shield, right? Right. (laughs) Warhammer Warhammer 40,000 also. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Warrior. Brother! Brother! (laughs) Anyway, so being as high rank as emperor among oblates, (laughs) uh, it made made pretty good sense for Pius X to, to name him the... Uh, name him the the, inter- the grand intercessor, uh, which sounds like a 40k thing. The grand intercessor. Honestly, <laughs> what do you think they're riffing off? Of? That's yeah. why there's that whole episode. Never mind well, that. Also, like yeah. as far as having such a place of uh, temporal power and still desiring the good things of the Lord, um, that does also put you in a 
in a place of of a particular stature among oblates, you know, to be so desirous of the Lord, even though you have all the power in the world. Well, you've um, you heard the story about how he ended up at a monastery and tried to become a monk, right? Yeah. And then so he's like, under he's like, I'm the Holy Roman Emperor. You're going to let me do this? And they're like, okay. And as soon as he was in, the abbot was like, now that you're under my spiritual authority, you're going to go back and be emperor. Yeah. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Got him. Yeah. Oh. So that's perfect. Anyway, it was pretty good. So anyway, I'm, I'm kind of I'm sort of uh, people don't week know of enough rejoicing. about as popular a name as Henry is. Like nobody knows a darn thing about this saint. He's a thousand years old. I mean, people don't really think about the saints of of the of the ages. Do they? anymore? I mean, people don't really think of. I mean, unless there's a couple popular ones, maybe. But I think a lot of people are really focused on the modern saints. Well, I don't know. Saint Augustine's always coming up. Yeah, they, people like I said, there's a couple favorites, and I think they know a handful of tropes about them, but they know more things about the more modern saints, which, I mean, they can't necessarily begrudge them that, but it's just a matter of it, people don't really do the reading on the ancient saints. Some of that is because they they have been uh, trained by this sort of false, um, kind of the, the biblical, uh, what do you call it, the historical critical method, yeah. historical critical method stuff on, on like, sanctity. Um, I think people look at the old saints and go, well, there's no way that these stories can be that true, you know? And Oh, they're, they're put up by hagiography, hey, so to speak. Yeah, but, yeah, they don't like the idea of hagiography. Hey, they, they don't want to read the golden legend and get sort of dazzled by the stories um, of Jacobus de Voragin, right? Jacobus de Voragin, that's his name. Oh, wrote it? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but, well, I mean, like, part of it... Mm, here we go. Uh, like, well, it's we, honestly on the part of, of the priest. Yeah, I, it's true. When you don't... Who is supposed to know these stories? Well, honest to God, the priests. Like now, the like, priests are made up of the same generation of people, though. I mean, that's that's the thing. Well, you is, get your priests from where you get everybody else, right? You got bad politicians. You can get bad priests. You can get bad fathers. All kinds of stuff. The uh, fathers were Roman, but the we are Roman fathers. But the there it is. Like I saw him when I was in San Francisco. By the way, what you didn't Shut tell up. me? I did tell you. I told you beforehand that I was going to go and see him while I was there. Oh yeah, I totally. But I did. Forgot. I did end it. It was very brief. I just sort of shook his hand and said hello, Father McManus. Shout out. Shout out. Anyway, continue. Great priest. No, the like there it is. If you don't tell the story, how else would you know it? Yeah. And and these stories are are true. That with perhaps some slight embellishment here or there, but then some actual hardcore miracles elsewhere. Well, remember our episode with Belloc and St. Patrick. Oh, yeah. It's especially true. Legend is, right, is legend. really is really particularly mm-hmm. important to describing the true thing about the saint, the thing that's most important. Exactly. Forgetting about the historical critical stuff. Like, it's it's more important to know how Patrick well, was right. holy. Right. What 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 benefit you the fact of, well, he was actually standing over there as opposed to over here, and therefore God doesn't exist. And, like, that's the leap that is made and has been getting dealt out to the church for the last 60 years because nobody wants to tell a good story. And, yeah, no, I know I see you grit your teeth there, brother. Yep. But, but like, this is is what makes us alive. And Henry, again, an incredible guy. Um, He reminds me a lot of King David. Like, Mm. guy just would not stop fighting wars. And again, he... Oh, yeah. There's all sorts of stories, but he's going over here helping this, you know, thing happen. He's fighting the Poles. Mm -hmm. He's fighting the... Who else did he fight? Um, Anyone and everyone. Different different duchies, uh, a lot of Romans. uh, (laughs) He was nonstop hardcore, and he won most of the fights, too. Like, an incredible good tactician and Mm. strategist. And then, like, 
There's the time he threw that bishop in jail. Uh, like, <laughs> so he probably had it coming. Uh, yeah, maybe. The, uh, yeah. It's, it's one of those interesting things where you are like, maybe somebody read the story of Henry and came out and was like, well, you know, Christianity shouldn't have any tears or human beings in it. Oh. And the uh, story makes it just I makes for such a dry heard, story that way. I have never heard anyone tell, uh, give a homily or even talk about St. Henry. And it uh, breaks my my my. My freaking heart. <laughs> you, should, you should have been at St. Charles at 8.15 this morning. Well, I talked about him a little bit. So. Yeah, I know. I, I had a homily on him, too. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> good. Good, good, good. All right. Uh, enough. Actually, that... that it leads in well. That actually does segue in well. That was unintentional. I'm yeah. not going to lie to you. Yeah. The He's a good man. He is. Well, I, I wasn't even going from that angle. I was going more with, like, storytelling. Oh, and that's good, too. Sharing truth. I mean, all these things go together. Yes, fancy that in Catholicism. Mm. Mm. Yes, the uh, but well, do we want to make use of? We want to make sort of what? tell our source material for some. So what we're commenting on? Well, yeah, I was about to. Okay, good. It's a, it's a bit of bit of a reaction audio file. Oh, who? Uh, well, you yeah. know, let me make sure we're not talking about different things because sometimes you and I think we're thinking of the same thing. You want to get to the topic? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So I want to talk about Jordan Peterson today. <laughs> you think of what I'm thinking? Well, I think so. And then inside your inside Homer's skull, he's like on a glider shooting lasers. <laughs> Nothing to do with anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that was uh <clears throat> that was not what I was thinking of. No, of course not. No. I wanted to talk about today Jordan Peterson. Okay. And like we we've mentioned him several times on the show, but we've never actually dedicated like a whole webisode. To him, and, and there's a particular area I want to I want to talk about. I think this was a very very pointed video, oh, and yeah. I think it speaks very much to what you and I have been trying to work on in various ways, probably in all of our ministry. Well, I think any any good Christian, well, duh, is trying to worship truth and is yeah. trying to bring truth to life. Because guess guess who truth is? Jesus Christ. I am the okay. way, the truth, and the life. Who straightforward enough? He really spells it out for us. Let mm. me dumb it down for you guys, and like he. Yes. So, no, I, hang on. I'm just trying to formulate my thought here. Okay. Like, he, <laughs> he, Jordan Peterson is trying to do the same thing. And, oh, yeah. and he, is, he is approaching truth as if it is the actually most important thing. And there's all kinds of things I could, I could go off on tangents on that. My first brain reaction is like, that's normally how like atheists knock down uh, a weak Christian is say, well, I only follow the truth, you know, and that's the most important thing. But really what they're after is pleasure. Most of them are just hedonists, and yeah. most of them are looking to get an ego boost out of breaking somebody who's weaker than themselves and to find a new victim uh, to exploit for the sake of their own pleasure. Um, one man's opinion. It's mine. The, uh, I think you got it pretty much spot on right. there. And that, again, that's not all atheists. Most atheists, and the uh, at least most Western atheists mm. at this stage in our history. Okay, fine. And a lot of them in the past. But the... <laughs> <laughs> Comps, I mean, I'm I mean, looking at you. Yeah, well, Marx. Marx. Yeah, right. Anyways. <laughs> the body's in their path, man. I'll tell you what. Yeah. So, tabling that for a moment. The... So who is Jordan Peterson? Is sort of like we've mentioned him before. Do you know his background, his history? And I'm not, not going to give not, you like not in depth, not in depth. Just to, just that he is a clinical psychologist, mm -hmm. and he is very, very focused on helping human beings be the best that they can be in the truest sense of those terms, in actual truth, right? In actual truth, like yeah. again, like there in it objective is objective like, truth, in objective truth. If you yeah. 
so like you say this is the most important thing, and then if you're a villain, you get the person to actually not look in the right direction so that you can manipulate and abuse them. Basically, you're a modern psychologist. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, setting that down, well, the, I'm not disagreeing. He's not unlo- he's he is much different than than more than more uh, often than not modern psychologists are. Oh well, he's 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 straight up about how he doesn't buy a single word of transgenderism. Yeah, and. But but one one thing at a time. So let me just tell you his hagiography. The uh, his <laughs> <laughs> the legendarium of this man. The legendarium <laughs> of Jordan Peterson. Yeah. Uh, he was born in uh, Alberta in 1962, so he's 60, mm-hmm. and uh, he came up and he was kind of he described it as like a, a moderately Christian household. Mildly was the word, and he said. He was really left-wing for a real long time mm. and seems to be partly about a girl. Uh, and by that, he was really left-wing until he went to college and started mm. reading books, uh, you know, about like how evil the world is under communism and things like that. Yeah. But but he said he basically started out thinking that religion was a superstition and was the only the ignorant would go into it. So kind of the same vein as Augustine. He honestly. bought into the culture. Well, yeah. Or, and at the time, like this is the interesting thing about thinking about the 60s and the 70s. Mm. Like, you're really at the tipping point of, like, modernism and postmodernism. So, like, we're still using religion as sort of, like, uh, I don't know, like, the backdrop of our culture, but we're busy tearing it down simultaneously. Yeah. And... It's become so commonplace to us that we don't even consider that we could even destroy it. Yeah, that's actually a really good way to describe it. Yeah. We, we don't see it as, as sort of like the basis of like how our society functions. Right. And and from there, you can go into all kinds of post But let me just tell you about the man. Uh, so he went to, to university. I can't remember which one. And it turns out he's he's really, really, really smart. Yeah, he's extremely And so, so he's quite successful and he... Learned something about himself. He learned that he didn't want to tell lies. He, he realized that he was saying a lot of things he didn't actually believe. Mm. And he stopped and he did, for lack of a better term, an examination of, of conscience. conscience. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, you know, I, I don't want to do this. And so he said, I really tried after that to, to – it was a fascinating experience, he said, where he, had, he was working in a prison, uh, interning or something for psychological something or other. And he was working with some prisoners, and one prisoner uh, said, hey, your professor wants me to take you over to him. And he said, okay, fine. He started to follow the guy, and his professor popped out there and says, hey, I actually want you over here. So he separated him from the prisoner. And He said the guy who was is pretending to be his guide uh, was really unassuming, small kind of guy. Hmm. His professor took him off to the side and says, you know that guy over there? He says, that guy uh, had... Two policemen at gunpoint had them dig their own graves and then put them in those graves. And and he said he would have never, ever, ever guessed that was the person who was walking him the wrong way down that hallway. And so, so he, he began to think about like what it means to be human and, and truth and and lies and that sort of thing. And uh, from that, he, he began to think about how could a man even do that? And then he realized, he said, as he thought about it, he says, and it, what he was really discovering was was sin in in the human soul. At least this is my my viewpoint of it. Was that he could do those things? He absolutely could. He could absolutely have been a, a concentration camp guard in Nazi Germany, not because he's so inherently evil or anything like that, but just because he's human. There, before the grace of God, goes Jordan Peterson. Ah, now there's a line. The so anyway, so he that that was sort of the turning point in his life, and he met a girl, and he eventually got married, and had two wonderful kids with her. And 
uh, what's her name? Tammy, I think he mentions her from time to time. And she's Catholic, as a matter of fact. Hmm. But but sending that down for a sec. Uh, he started working. He went to Yale for a little while and taught there. And or it was Yale or Harvard, one of those two. <laughs> Don't tell them. Some Ivy the League. Up. Some Ivy League, some famous name. And uh, he wrote a book called Maps of Meaning, and uh, I think it was 1999. And it was his first book. He said he rewrote every sentence in that book 50 times. Whoa. And, yeah, I know. And when the interviewer asked him, said, uh, so you said you rewrote every sentence 15 times? He says, no, I said every 50 times. <laughs> like, yeah, he's not speaking yeah, yeah, verbally. Yeah. No, like, he means he, it. He means it. He said, and he said this too. He said, I had to become a better writer. He says, I mm. wasn't that good when I started. And mm. he said, it takes work. Yeah. To, to master this stuff. Okay, fine. Um, so he writes this book, and there is a law that gets passed in Canada sometime in the early 2010s. And he's teaching at University of Toronto at this time. And and he's teaching a lot of different classes. He's recording himself. There's some of the most popular classes, as I understand it. And he's, again, exploring a lot. And basically what he's trying to teach kids, he once said, was – to realize that you could be that concentration camp guard. Like you, you think you could never have been a part of Nazi Germany or, or Stalin's Russia or anything like that. He says, but in truth, like given the right stimulus in these circumstances, you do the same thing. And so he, uh, he's teaching this class and in the early 2010s, Canada passes a law insisting that you use, uh, preferred pronouns. So in other words, if somebody wants to be referred to as they, or if he's actually he, but he wants to be called her, that's what you have to do. And Peterson said, I'm not doing that. That's compelled speech. I will not Mm -hmm. comply with that. And and there's another really good scene of him like testifying before their parliament saying, uh, if, if you... If you try and enforce this, I won't do it. You will have to throw me in prison. And if you throw me in prison, I'm going on a hunger strike. And he's like, I will not do this. And so he became famous shortly thereafter because one of the students, some God bless her, woke individual, came up and tried to harass him and, and film while he was doing it. And he just engaged her in debate. And This never, is the video that went famous, right? Yeah, it went, went viral, yeah. as the kids say. Whatever. And And... He's just talking with her, trying to make sense of, of their positions and not losing his cool. Eventually, he does just walk away because there, there is no talking. They are just angry and right, they right. want him to submit. Yeah. And that's sort of the classic problem. I think that's even Aristotelian, or, or if it's not Thomistic. Um, uh, if, if a person doesn't have any reason, then there isn't any ability to argument or enter into argument with them. Well, right. Because, because you, you're, you're banging your head against the wall. You're, you're literally coming yeah. at the world from. from Cross purposes, two different ideas. Normally, that results in war. Yeah. Okay, the he he walked away. That video went viral, so everybody went on YouTube to learn more about this guy. Now, who know? is this guy? Well, exactly. Yeah. And what they they found was again because he had perhaps hundreds of lectures on YouTube, and people started watching them, and they started getting millions of views. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing in those lectures, but like his desire for. Any kind of truth, scientific truth, moral truth, historical truth, uh, that sort of thing. Like every single thing is is well-reasoned, carefully said, and he's clearly speaking from his heart. Yeah. Most of the time when he talks, he's – in his early videos uh, and even up till really re- recently, like in the last several weeks, everything he's saying is, is more or less he's just doing off the dome, but it's not carelessly. No, you know, he's actually, I think one of the ways I would like to put it 
is in modern culture, I don't think I've run into somebody who is so um, perfectly united intellect and will in the secular world as a public person than Jordan Peterson. Mm-hmm. Um, he speaks exactly to his to what his heart is telling him to say, and that heart and his intellect and his mind are mm-hmm. are perfectly united. He doesn't have. You know, he might correct his speech based on based on what is you know he remind he remembers something. It's a better way better to say it this way. He'll correct it, but it's but it is directly coming from um, what has been so assimilated into his heart. This desire, as you say, for truth, right? And and so anyway, so so people were watching this, and like I said, millions of people now. So he becomes quite famous, and. Again, he gets famous for standing up to the Canadians. The Canadians, uh, the lawmakers actually back down and, and awesome. don't enforce it. Um, different things like that. And, he's, and he continues to teach for a while till he, he, the whole academia becomes hostile to him and he leaves. So he becomes a public speaker. And he explores a lot of things besides, again, he's a clinical psychologist. And in fact, that's one of his – again, he's, he's quite witty too. So mm-hmm. like when people try and corner him and stuff – He's generally more intelligent than them, and so he'll turn their words back on them. Or, mm. or so there was this great interview that also was was somewhat famous, where the woman was entirely the woman reporter was entirely hostile to him, mm. wasn't looking for his side of the story. Or I've seen who, that, and she's just looking to corner him and have him say something like Nazis are good or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And and she's trying, trying to make him out into some sort of patriarchal, right. you know, thing that she already thinks he is. Right, right. Again, right. like well, as he. Uh, I can't remember the line, but she says something about like, well, who are you to, to say that, you know, this is, uh, you know, a, a medical dysphoria. Uh, and he looked at her and he says, I'm a, I'm clinical, a clinical psychologist. psychologist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, He's like, that's who I am. Yeah, yeah. And you're just that's like. what I do. <laughs> right. It's like mic drop moment. Yeah. And, but, but anyways, he, he goes on and he, he makes a lot of content. He started doing tours. Which is really kind of like, and I've been to one of his recent uh, shows. I think we mentioned that. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. It was a while yeah. back. Uh, one of my parishioners took me. Went, is, was it Hillsdale? Is that where you went? No, no, no. He was. He was there recently. We got an offer to go see him talk at Hillsdale. Oh yeah. But right. the uh, but I went uh, down to Indy. Uh, shout out to Mark Clay, who I don't think listens oh, to the show, but right. one of my parishioners. That's right. Was like, I got tickets. You want to come? I said sure. And again, it was it was like watching a, a man just talk his way through things he thought were interesting. Mm-hmm. And because you're watching a, a, a man of, of integrity speak with passion and with a lot of mental power behind it all, it, it's quite engrossing to sort of just listen to him talk through these problems. Okay, cool. So he's becoming even more famous, and he draws the attention of a lot of young men. And because and he makes the point later on, which when we get to the video here very shortly, uh, it revolves around young men. Most men in Western civilization, he's arguing, at least in the United States, North America, uh, are suffering from a lot of persecution, for lack of a better term, for mm-hmm. being men. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their identities have been destroyed. You know, basically, they've been told that their very human nature, mm-hmm. as it pertains to masculinity, mm-hmm. is a sin. And, and it's well, a poison. That is directly the beginning of the video. Do you want to name it? 
Uh, he he's just recently put out a, a video called Message to the Christian Churches. Mm-hmm. And I saw that. Again, the algorithm said, oh, you should watch this. And I was like, oh, I will. And, oh, Jordan Peterson, sure. Yeah, and, go, go. And for dear friends, go. go. We totally endorse this video. Yeah, yeah, um, 100%. 110%. Like, go, go and listen to what he has to say in this video once, you've, once you're done with the or, – or pause. I don't care. Whatever. Go listen to the video. Listen to him speak. And and listen well because he lays out the argument one step by one step by one step. It's, it's a total. It's a perfect syllogism. Oh yeah. Um, it's a very very thorough and compelling. It's very compelling. So anyways, just to wrap up his life story up until today, he sure. he um, he talks a lot about suffering too, and it was ironic because then he he unfortunately uh, his wife became terribly ill. Mm. And he was prescribed, uh, I can't think of what they're called, benzos. Uh, there's a technical same, but but the the common name, because it takes a lot to pronounce, the benzonidanamines or something like that. It's like trying to say St. Henry's wife's name. Um, <laughs> <Kuna Gunda>. is, <laughs> is, um, uh, they are addictive. And oh. he was liter- he literally found himself... And he got addicted, yeah. Well, he literally found himself unable to sleep. Mm. Uh and he couldn't get off the meds, and a lot of crazy stuff happened to him over the course of two years, from mm-hmm. 2019 to 2020, uh, including a crazy medically induced coma, which which got him out of out of the addiction. Uh, but then he had to spend another year basically recovering, mm-hmm. uh, and and so it's an incredible story. His his daughter loves him tremendously because she's the one who helped him mm-hmm. uh, significantly during that time. Anyways, uh, so then he showed back up on the scene really in 2021, and. Uh, people started listening to him again, and he, he's becoming more and more passionate and engaged. And he does a lot of interviews. Everybody wants to talk to him, uh, and he and he wants to talk to a lot of people. And he talks to people about more than just psychology. He talks to people about religion. Religion is huge. He talks to people, and again, like he's done big debates with with famous atheists and stuff like that too. Like everybody kind of wants him on their side, mm-hmm. and and he refuses to be on anybody's side. Really, he's kind of an end. Yeah, but. But well, that that's the interesting thing. He says he's he considers himself a traditionalist is the word he uses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a cultural he, traditionalist, a, a cultural traditionalist, yeah. and he considers himself. Um, oh, I can't even think of what the other word was. But but he's he's very much in. Uh, oh, yeah, a classic liberal is what he calls it. Yeah, liberal probably in the true sense of his of the term. He would. I'm sure he would then define it. Right. And oh, most certainly. Anyways, because he doesn't mean a leftist. No, he does not at all. He hates. Again, one of the reasons why I read Solzhenitsyn's uh, Gulag Archipelago is because he was talking about it. And mm-hmm. I was like, I've always, I'd, I'd heard of the book before, but I had never picked it up. And I was like, well, if he's saying it's that good, I need to look into it. So mm-hmm. that's how I ended up in in COVID isolation yeah, with, yeah, with yeah. Solzhenitsyn in, in quarantine with Solzhenitsyn. Yeah, but the um, anywho, that so then recently uh, he just got banned from Twitter. Because oh, nice! Some, good, good for you. Well, and he put out a video about <laughs> that too. <laughs> that means you're real. <laughs> and because uh, he wouldn't use somebody's preferred pronouns, mm-hmm. a transgender mm-hmm. actress mm-hmm. Uh, who had gone through, unfortunately, a very terrible procedure to try and become a man. Yeah. And he uh, he says, "I'm not taking down my tweet, so I'm just accepting my band." And then he does this whole explosion on it. Anyways, mm. so that and then he he recently signed up to. Uh, Beyond the Daily Wire, uh, which is uh, Ben Shapiro's uh, Shapiro Shapiro way <laughs> off. The uh, <laughs> pretty close, close enough, good enough for an artillery. Hand grenades, man. yeah, right. yeah. But he signed up for him because he said, "Look, he says this whole time I've been working, uh, kind of like on a." He said, "I have people around me, but not 
the hundreds of people that a, a, a larger media organization could could give me. He actually calls it an empire. Uh, <laughs> well, kind of. Yeah. You so, know, it's funny because Daily Wire has very, very quickly gained a lot of listenership, a lot of support, especially as the as the sort of the leftist. Uh, regime continues to march on. Oh yeah, because it's, it's sort of the refuge for for a lot of people who feel sort of shanghaied by modern media culture. Mm-hmm. Well, it's got eight hundred ninety thousand subscribers right now, and he I made the point of saying it, there's yeah. two hundred million people subscribing to Netflix, and he says I'm well, I'll be on this platform over here. Anyways, uh, mm-hmm. but that that sort of brings you up to snuff on on who this man is, and again, and the left absolutely absolutely hates this guy. Um, mm-hmm. You can find plenty of snide little nobodies mocking him and things like that. And my favorite one is Marvel Comic Books actually put out uh, a Captain America comic where the Red Skull is literally quoting Jordan Peterson. Oh, boy. In, and they, somebody sent it to, to Jordan Peterson and said, look at this. And he thought they had, they had you know, photoshopped it and stuff. And he thought, this is hilarious. And then they're like, no, this is an actual comic book they're trying to oh, sell. Geez. And so every once in a while, he no, says... It's just Disney wokeism anymore. He says, he says, I couldn't believe it. They'd made me the king of the magical super Nazis. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, they really hate him. They really yeah, hate they him. really do. And, they're, they're, I mean, they're they're averse to truth. I mean, well, okay. they're they're averse to their own the their own mirror. You know, they looking themselves in the mirror. Anyway, but the video, the video. So okay, okay. so so that takes us to, up to now. And uh, last yesterday, the the magical algorithm put this in my YouTube feed. <laughs> All hail the algorithm! All hail the machine! <laughs> but the uh, and I I I opened it up and I watched it now. Again, like I've I've listened to him talk to uh, Bishop Barron. Bishop Barron's been on his show, and vice versa, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and he's, so he's Joe, he was on Joe Rogan. Yeah, he's been on a lot of different people's shows, and always, always religion comes up. Yeah, of course. And well, obviously with the bishop, but then other religious leaders too. He talks well, to. But but as soon as you start engaging with truth, you know you're you're. <laughs> And you start de- dealing with philosophy. I mean, philosophy is going to lead to theology eventually, mm-hmm. because you're going to go. You're talking about the most the 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 rootest things, um, the the most fundamental things. Right. I, I mean, sure. you get into metaphysics, you get into who is who is God, if God exists, and all that kind of thing. Right. right. That becomes the conversation. And and so here it is: is he he talks for about ten minutes in this video, and he he, he basically says, "I want to talk to any church out there that considers itself Christian." And, He's, in fact, he says Protestants, Catholics, and Orthodox. Mm-hmm. And then he talks about the crisis of masculinity in Western civilization. Yeah, what does he say? He says that most of his, uh, he, as you said, most of the attendees at his thing where he, he rented out, they, he and his wife, they rented out of the theater, and they, had, they did like 15 different shows, 15 different uh, talks, and most of the attendees were young men. And they were all on Genesis. Like, it wasn't like yeah, that's right. his, his standard material. What he mm-hmm. was going to talk about was a religious topic. Yeah. And the, of the million viewers. The in millions. Canada. He was in Canada, right? Yes. Somewhere up there. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember exactly where he said he was. Oh, Toronto. Toronto. He was in Toronto. Yeah. And um, and he said that the, the, one of the crisis uh, the crises of young men in our culture is that they're demoralized. They are demoralized by the culture. And he said, you know, one of the problems with with that is that women will soon follow because when it comes to you know, uh, it seems that humankind, whatever the sort of the status of men is, women will follow suit. I mean, this is really like if we want to go ahead and just talk about one very 
big elephant in the room topic, like the immodesty among women is because men have been led to believe this is how they should act towards women. And who do you think runs modern uh, fashion culture? Men do. <laughs> men do. Women <laughs> don't do irony. that. Men do. So, I, I mean, know. like, that's that's why. So, um, so, but, like, as, as far as his argument goes, like, the demoralization of, of man, of, of men, males, uh, means that women will soon follow. Well, again, because and, you know what came, you know what came to mind in this what? this whole thing he was talking about, um, you know, uh, boys boys need like roughhousing, <laughs> yeah. boys need play, and what came to mind is is your is your line: a man learns a lot about himself when he gets punched in the face. Oh yeah, and it's like actually that has a lot to do with you know growing up. Um, what are you going to do with pain? Oh yeah, what are you going to do with pain that's inflicted by somebody else? You know, how are you going to get through? Your own emotional status with all that whole thing. How are you going to get through uh, to making good decisions about how you're going to act in the future with every level of virtue, but also being able to stand up for yourself, right? Sure. That certainly goes hand in hand. But then he he lays out three ideologies or three accusations. The first is that our, our the, this is a lie, right? Um, the, it's an ideology. It's a false it's narrative. A, a false narrative. Um, our, our culture is a tyrannical patriarchy, full stop. Everything about it is, is patriarchal and it's, it's not just patriarchal because a patriarchy just means something that's led by men, but it's a tyrannical patriarchy. There's something that is, you're being forced to do something because men have forced it to happen. And then the second thing is that every level of human activity on, on earth is bad for the earth. Anything done by humans right. on the earth is bad for the earth. Right. And the earth could be a flourishing Eden if it weren't but for the cancer of, of, of men. Of mankind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And third then, and then the, third, the third line of this is sort of uh, in response to the previous two. The prime contributor to the previous two is inherently evil men. Not, not just evil men, not just those a category of men that are evil, but that men who are, are inherent – because they are inherently evil – and he's saying males, right. not not mankind men, but males men. The prime contributor to the previous two is in, in, the males who are who are inherently evil. And these are lies, of course. This is all these are the lies. But these are the lies that we're engaging with in our culture, especially Western culture. I mean, I, I don't know enough about the East to say what's going on with that's a whole other <laughs> no, that's whole a other whole situation other nightmare. But over here, but here we, we got are problems of our own. But here we are. We have our own problems. So, um, and then, then there's like the kind of final lie, all, uh, men's drive and men, again, males, <laughs> human males, all men's drives are satanic evil. Like, right. It's, it's that's an answer. The lie. Well, it's see, like, this is the interesting thing is what the left has done. And this wasn't anything he said, but I hope he agrees with me. It seems that he agrees with me mm-hmm. is, is well, he does mention original sin mm-hmm. in that video too. But what the left has done is realized that there's a problem in the world, and then it goes looking for the original sin, and it assigns it mm. to like mm-hmm. order and, and to how things have always been to destroy it. And so, yeah. so they miss. Well, that really played in nicely. Again, like you misdirect. Mm-hmm. Like this is the evil, mm-hmm. and now destroy it when mm-hmm. in fact it is the good, and. Oh, uh, or a good, mm-hmm. and and off you go. And so anyway, so his his whole point in that first part of the video is saying this is the problem. And then he says to the Christian churches, he says you're not helping. He says you you have the keys in your tradition 
to aiding these men into growing into exactly that and taking these young boys and helping them become something mm-hmm. and helping them know that they themselves are not evil, that they can contribute mm-hmm. to society, that they can be the solution, and that you can fulfill their, their deepest longing kind of thing, which is for purpose. Uh, he has a really good line in there about like stoically facing like the world's pain against uh, unbeatable odds or something like that. And it's like, yeah, that like appeals. What's, what's your like dream is, is to like be in that battle line and fighting mm-hmm. for a cause that's worthy against like the dragon, against the impossible odds. And he says, that, that's yours to give, Christian churches. And he says, and you are failing. And he says, yeah. you have not, they, he says, and part of, so there's a lot unspoken here. I mean, yeah. part yeah. of, he, he said, you know, I could fill a, a stadium mm-hmm. to have people come talk about Genesis. And they're all men. And millions of people watch this. And they're all men. And they're all studying and interested in religion. And then he's basically getting to the heart of, you know who's not in your churches? Men. Mm-hmm. There are no men sitting in those pews. Yeah. Now, again, I know there are men in the pews. But, but speaking statistically, but comparatively, comparatively, comparatively so... <laughs> Okay, he says Christianity is is for so this is what he says the Christian church is your job is is to remind men what they are for exactly that was his line mm-hmm. and then uh, he says he says he gives the imperative invite them back mm-hmm. put a sign in your guard said young men are welcome here and right. you know then asterisk you know more information on how to you know be more involved here see the bulletin or basically right, right? and um, it. It's, it's, it brings to mind, this is, this is something that has come up over, I think we've said it a couple times in the show, over our 90-whatever, however many episodes. Um, I'm the one who's supposed to be inaccurate. Well, whatever. <laughs> Go on. So, <laughs> yeah, horseshoes, hand grenades, and Stephen Felicia. Um, Boom. Uh, Norman Rockwell, his, ah. his, his famous painting, Sunday Morning. Go on. It's an image, and I think, I think I've described it before. Maybe, you've, maybe some people have heard of it and seen it. Um, the image of, in the foreground, you see a man who's in his pajamas, and he's, I, I don't remember if he has cigarettes, a c- cigarette butt sitting in the ashtray next to him, and, and a cup of coffee and the newspaper sitting, standing up in front of him. He's sitting in an easy chair, and behind him, you can see in the background, are the wife, the mom of the house, two girls, I believe, and then, and then the young boy, all marching out the door supposedly, and you can see, and they're in their Sunday vest to walk out to go to church. And now, the man is, is slumped in his chair. Asleep. Right, he's not going to church. And um, one thing, one detail of the background is that the boy, while the girls are, are marching out the door, they're looking forward, they're marching out the door, um, kind of military almost, mm-hmm. And but the boy is, is his looking gaze back at his dad. is looking to his dad. And so you can see it's become a cultural thing that's not only cultural in this age, but in the next the next one to come. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this is something that Peterson is trying to drive at. He's like, we really do need men. And we need, to, so certainly, can men be evil? Yeah. Can they mess Duh. up the whole project yes, of, 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 the, of, the, of the system? Yeah, of course they can. There are plenty of evil men out there. But what we are called to do as the church is to remind them how to live masculinity well. Yeah. And, and, yeah, go and, ahead. and men haven't found it there for the last... 60 years since our numbers have been dropping off the map. And this is what came to mind. The mistake of the churches is to agree with the left. Mm -hmm. Oh, he has... Even even implicitly, right? right. He has some wonderful lines. Yeah, yeah, even just implicitly, like, 
you know, stop being activists. Stop being social justice warriors, churches. Right. He's t- telling the churches to stop yeah. this. Stop stuff, saving you know? the planet. Go save souls is yeah. the line he yeah. uses. That's you're a why church, you're a church after all. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, that's what you're supposed to do. You know, it reminds me very much of you know the whole the whole problem of being more concerned for the health of the body than the health of the soul. We've we've experienced that in recent days in a very very abrupt way, and this is this is something that needs to be fixed. You know, this is. Uh, Gosh, there's so many different directions we could take this. Well, part of Peterson's just attraction is the fact that he is the father figure. He's been called that in different media circles. He's like the father figure for a fatherless generation. He's the guy who looks you in your eye and tells you you're all screwed up and you need to fix yourself. But you can, and but you should. And here he is doing the same thing. He's playing father to the church, to the churches, I should say. And, And he's basically saying, you're all screwed up. You have potential. You need to fix yourself because yeah. right now you got all these children wandering around. I mean, we live in a society where we live in a society. That's a meme. <laughs> Anyways, the uh, it's mm-hmm. where where twenty five percent of the children being raised today don't have their fathers in their household. Mm-hmm. Like like, and that number, full I'm, sure stop. That, I'm sure that number is rising. Full stop. I'm sure that number is rising. But but a quarter of our populace does not have their father in their home now. Normally, if you have that kind of gigantic statistic like that, there would have been a major war or catastrophe or something like that. Like most of the men were killed in the war or something like that. That's not the case mm-hmm. in, in American society. There is like you're looking – you're staring total collapse in the face mm-hmm. and, and you're living through it to be honest with you. We're done like we're at the precipice. No, we're over it now and you're starting to slide down. And the – and here's Jordan Peterson saying – Basically, in my opinion, you can be fathers to to these men who have no one else to guide them, who have been told that it's bad to be rough and tough and and to to uh, to be men to be men uh, again, like part of his his whole yeah. thing is is you know boys are taught boys don't aren't taught they literally will turn anything into a gun yep because your instinct as a guy when you are a kid is hand eye coordination and moving something to a target mm-hmm. and when you realize a gun does that that's what you're like into yeah and and he, he talks about like how he reads these stories online of these women who are horrified of their boys because they try and take anything that's like a gun out of the room and they still find their kid holding a toothbrush pretending to shoot the cat and <laughs> the uh Cat probably had it coming. Yeah, probably. But but his point is, is like, and I heard this from another source, which might have, for all I know, gotten it from Jordan Peterson, but harmless men are useless men. Mm. Women don't want to marry as somebody who can't protect them. Uh, women don't want to marry uh, someone who is soft and can't mm. take a punch. Mm. And, and by God, men don't want to be that guy either. Oh. I think I I think I appended that to a homily or something. It was of a similar nature. I said mm-hmm. I think I said like occasional Catholics or or uh, cultural Catholics are useless. Oh yeah, which is I mean it's a, it's, 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 it's in a, the same vein. It's using the same uh, right. setup. But but I mean that's exactly true. <laughs> you need to be you need to be kind of well dangerous. Yeah, like there's only like when go ahead. So this is something that strikes me. The the politically left. Um, continue to try to cover up or rather I'll, I'll say this they they are inherently seeking to treat symptoms of culture of cultural maladies mm-hmm. instead of treating the malady right so 
another another deranged you know young man shoots up a crowd in Highland Park and and the first you know thing they they cry again and again and again is gun control gun control gun control but then you know you look back to a time when when you know fathers loved their boys and and tr- and taught them how to use a weapon when they were young and you know all these things and you hear about like rifle clubs at schools who are actually allowed to bring like the family rifle into school mm-hmm. to like go and do target practice because you had a rifle team because that was what you did and people just would bring their stuff and knew how to take care of it and knew not to do stupid things with a gun and right. and you had and and you had a good family structure and these things weren't dangerous back then why are they dangerous now it's not because of the guns it's because all of a sudden we have i mean that, there's no way there's no way that 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 young man who has been I don't know if he's been convicted yet but I know he was like the prime suspect. Mm-hmm. There's no way that young man had a, had a stable father figure in his life. Well, he so his that father figure uh was never around and yeah. his they, his parents are married but they are are not a happy couple and let's just leave it at that. Okay. But but I wouldn't And that's just one example yeah, of many, you yeah, know, but I think it's it's it is what it, yeah. I mean, you want to go to the the school shooting down in uh, Texas, uh, in yeah, Hovalde, hope, yeah, Hovalde or whatever. Yeah. I don't know how to say it. Sorry, no, it's fair yeah. enough. Well, welcome to my world. Yeah, well, know. today, well, playing the part of Father Stephen Felicia is Father Dan Kale. Yeah, that's right. But the uh, <laughs> doesn't know how to Ter- terrifying, words. a terrifying reality. Well, I told you it's scary waking <laughs> up being me. But the, um, but that guy, his dad, is God bless him. And again, trying not to accuse, but let's just call. Here's here are the facts. He divorced his mother and is living with his girlfriend right now. Yeah. And the kid and most school shooters don't have male figures in their life. And what is happening? They are ostracized. They are are cast out. They and they want attention. They want popularity. They want the world to notice them. They want women to notice them. And and that just starts and you play that through your skull for like for hundreds of hours, for hundreds of days. Mm-hmm. And so you construct this 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 fantasy, I am dangerous. Right. Like you do it in the absolutely wrong way to to win the attention of the world and the girl. It's a it's a suicide fantasy. Mm-hmm. And and it stems from nihilism and anger and hate. And again, that didn't transfer into him when he touched a gun and that flowed into his mind. Like that came from the absence of a spiritual good. Mm-hmm. which is a spiritual mm-hmm. father, which is someone to protect you, to challenge you, and to point you in the right direction. Right. And again, and so like this really ties into like the, the concept of fatherhood. Like almost, Jordan Peterson here is almost playing father to the churches. Honestly, he's almost doing the job of like a bishop mm. um, saying, look, like these are our marching orders. This is the state of our people and, and we're losing them. Right. And these are our children. Like these boys are our sons. What do you want? And yeah, and off he goes. Uh, he says, "This is this is the solution." Like he really would be a great bishop. Um, you know, it reminds me. Weren't hmm. there? There are multiple instances in which the Lord made use of non non chosen people prophets. Right? Wasn't Balaam? Yeah, but Balaam was an evil guy too. Don't forget reading in the New Testament. Okay, Peter's fine. Very clear. But I think, but I think just very, just sort of speaking, oh, speaking. God can loosely, use anything. Yeah, there are yeah. there are many instances. Well, there's a you Samaritan know, there... prophet um, in Second Chronicles who saves a bunch of Jews who are captured. Sure. Um, 
And yeah, no, they're, they're uh, the Romans, the centurion who who professes truly faith this in is Christ. the son of God, right? Exactly. Yeah, and and then also um, uh, Jairus, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, right. No. I mean, he's is he? No, Jairus no, is, no, no. is. There's another. There's another, there's another Roman. There's another Roman official who comes to Jesus and says, "Don't don't come into my house, Lord." Oh, the centurion. You know? Yeah, another centurion. So anyway, anyway, uh, it strikes me that Jordan Peterson is very much like those sort of characters. Who is not in the church necessarily? Is he Christian? I think he he he, he, he walks around it in some interesting language. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but it's it's sort of funny. Like, of course, I want him to be Catholic because I I want everyone everyone to be Catholic because I think it's a good and I have charity for my hum, human beings, fellow human beings. At least mostly, I try to mostly mostly. But um, but I almost sort of want him to stay on the outside because he's been sort of this this secular prophet for people to start discovering truth. And he's a he's a he's a pontifex. He's a bridge builder. Yeah, so, you know, and he's um, a lightning rod. People are drawn to him again. Like, and he he's people, challenging. People think that well, lightning rods don't draw, draw don't draw lightning. They repel it, but that's okay. Well, they take it into themselves. No, they don't. Sure, they do. No, they don't. That's not how. That's not how the. That's not how the physics of uh, of okay. Lightning like lightning strikes strikes the rod and then rides no, a wire down. What's it do? It, it's it's. Uh, um, oppositely charged on purpose. It's driven to the earth on purpose to drive lightning away from the building that it's on. Oh. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> it's, he's a conductor, that's for sure. Fair enough. Okay, we can say he's, he's a conductor. Sorry. I, I, and Dan Kale's back, my brothers and sisters. Yeah, I know. Sorry about that. No, so, don't need to apologize. <laughs> they probably well, had enough of having listen, two Stephen Listen, my father was here. an electrical engineer. I couldn't, I couldn't avoid learning about that. Um, you had a good father. I have a very Taught good father. you something. Yeah, he did. So anyway. So I haven't, uh, never mind. Okay. Well, that's why I haven't jumped off the edge, uh, you know? There's an, is that a joke? Well, I mean... Sort of, but I mean, it's it's applicable to the situation. I mean, I I know that I am more stable as as a man in this culture because I have a good dad. Ah, no, that's true. You've you've borne witness to a man who's faced the world and and come out through. Yeah, and who says you can do it too? Yeah, kind of thing. It's both it, my parents have faced their challenges, but I think you know it's one of those things where um, a, a boy and his dad have certain similarities just because of the similar similar experience of being men. That, you know, I, I see certain things about my dad's past and I sort of bring them into myself. I live them vicariously and I know that I can face things because he's faced them. Mm-hmm. And if that isn't something that's been given to a boy, then he's going to have a lot harder time figuring that out for himself. Right. Which isn't impossible either. But again, it sure does help to have a, a positive male role model. Sure. I mean, adoptive fathers or otherwise um, father-like uh, you know, male figures in a boy's life can can sort of fill many of those roles. But I think... The the natural the natural state of having it be within the family itself is so much more cohesive, and um, uh, you know it's, it's a fuller reality mm-hmm. if if I'm making sense. Yeah, reasonable enough. It's it's clearer, it's clearer to the boy when when dad who is very frequently if not always around. By that I mean to say you know when he gets home from work, <laughs> he's the object of the boy's attention, um, and vice versa, for that boy to be able to. To grow from what the dad has done and what the what the, what the dad teaches him. Well, on along those lines, going back to Jordan Peterson, he gets tens of thousands of emails probably mm. every week, if not every day, where people thank him mm. for having said things and say like you taught me things that I wish my father had mm. and stuff like. And he says that he says that really hits to the core of me. Again, I you see him as sort of the secular prophet, and I see him as as 
almost Catholic priest. Yeah, he, yeah. He, I mean, he's playing both sides of the fence a little bit. Well, it can't um, be helped if he's right. approaching truth. Mm-hmm. And and again, like, what's he doing? He's he's bearing witness to truth. He's giving. He's letting people know that they themselves aren't bad, but they're wounded, and that there's some kind of hope even in the face of of challenge. And again, what's he doing? He's 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 trying to 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 rally the troops. He's really concerned about the collapse of Western civilization, which we all yeah. should be. And and he's basically saying to churches, like, help me here, guys. Like, you need to – you should have easy access and you have theoretically the infrastructure in place. Now start taking well, care of the men. Well, and then, and, then, and then spiritually, the church is Christ. Right. Like um, – What's coming to mind over and over again is, you know, quid est veritas, the uh, pilot says to Jesus, what is truth? And it's it's sort of that situation where Christ is in the middle of his suffering, and he, he is standing there as the witness, and and Pilate, not knowing what to do, he's waffling on the problem, mm-hmm. and, and he, he eventually just says, well, what is truth? And he sort of goes... I'm, I'm sort of uh, reading a little bit into the scripture, but I'm sort of a, I'm using this as a bit of a parable to this current situation. Like Western culture is playing pilot; it doesn't know what to do, even though truth is standing there, staring it in the face, and and it continues to have sort of the relativistic question of what is truth. It's, I can make it whatever I want, right? Even though, again, it's staring you in the face. Ah. What do you think? And this thing is built into us. It's it's Moses from from this weekend, right, or from recently. I can't remember which what, what day the reading was. Oh, you that, have only to carry it out. This yeah, you have only to carry it out. The law, law is isn't. laid on your heart. Mm-hmm. It's not in the sky, and you don't have to send somebody up to go get it and show it to us. It's it's in your heart. You only have only to do it, and it's it, it's there. It's part of nature. It's part of human nature. What do you anyway. think the church should do? Like, I mean, let's let's talk. Like, we're we're Catholics. You might have noticed, but the uh, like the. What do you think the church should do in response? Like, what yeah. would be the ideal? Like, so here's here's my take, almost. Like, again, back when I was, I wasn't a priest, I was scared to invite my friends to church who mm. were falling away, mm. because I was scared to reinforce in them everything that was driving them away. Yeah. That this music is soft and pathetic, and my grandma doesn't even like it. Right. And... Uh, you know, like that homily was insipid and garbage. And I think we need a boys choir. Go on. I think we need a boys choir. One of my experiences when I was in when I was in grade school, and I don't mean any offense to anybody who was leading us in choir when I was in grade school, but I had I was in um when I was at St. Vincent's growing up, we had fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade choir. It was fifth and sixth paired and seventh and eighth together. And there were two different music directors. One of them was the music director for the parish. And um when I got into fifth grade, I liked to sing growing up. I liked to sing. And it's there's nothing and we looking into the past, just thinking about thinking about, you know, male singing figures, there was something uh, there was something that was still manly about men who sang, you know. And especially from the early ages of maybe even the, you just bring to mind, I don't know, being Crosby or something like that. Okay. Very masculine figure. He wasn't he wasn't there wasn't anything about him that didn't strike you as he's he's a man. He's very solid. Yeah. What for whatever warts his family might have had and all the background information there, but <laughs> just because he was there, no, there were there you. were problems, you know. Sure. That again, this is the part of the thing. Like men can men can fail at the project, if, and they can still be they can still be men. Mm-hmm. Um. So, like when I got into it, when I got into choir when I was in fifth grade, and this is in oh, I guess this would have been like early two thousands. Mm-hmm. Um, I was there, and it was like 
me and like 30 girls. That's rough. Which was, you know, fine enough. A number of them were were pretty good friends of mine. Um, and, and, you know, the rest, you know, I didn't really know necessarily, but I had a few close friends and some of them were ladies and I was in choir with them. And I, I just got to the point where, for one thing, the music was unappealing. Um, it was uh, loosely nursery rhyme level nonsense and mostly useless for prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were singing for like mass and things, right? Mm-hmm. And and not to mention the fact that I was the only boy, which when you're a fifth grader, you know, um, is like less appealing than when you might be like in high school where girls are starting to become something of, in, of interest. <laughs> and so for me, it was just like, it just kind of felt like I was the only boy in a girl's club. And so I left. Yeah. Okay. Unsurprisingly, I didn't go back to choir in sixth grade. And then because of my my liking for singing, um, I actually retried in seventh grade. I, I reapproached the topic. And because I figured, you know, oh, the the other music director, at least he's a guy and, you know, I'll be able to sing. And maybe maybe I'll get this other guy friend of mine to join me. And the guy friend joined me for like, I think a semester and then dropped because mm-hmm. I think he was feeling the same problem that I was, is that we were singing nonsense, useless uh, music, things that weren't actually, for one thing, sacred. We didn't know how to use this vocabulary at the time necessarily. We didn't know how to express it, but I, sure. think, we, I think we could see it, um, that the music was pretty much, pretty much useless. And, um, and, then, and then the same problem just occurred is that it's like I, I re-realized once again, it's like, no, I don't want to do this because, I'm a, again, I'm a boy in a, in a girls' club. And I think it would, if it would have been something that was, this is like, hey, this is the boys' choir, and we're going to sing things that are like challenging, and we're going to use our, you know, vocal muscles and and, and like get our voices up to snuff and all that. I think I would have been much more, um, much more likely to be a part of it. Instead, you know, singing became something, and I don't know when this happened, but singing became something that was for girls, and and it was no longer uh, a man's activity. And, you know, what's really funny about that is I think there are a lot of things in in, in secular culture where um, thinking about a rock band, right? Think of all your favorite rock bands. And I, I know you have plenty. I have a few, yeah. Yeah. Most of them, their lead singer is a... Man. Is a man. Yeah. Mostly. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I think that there's something to be said for... The sort of the compelling nature of a male singer, and this is again, I'm, I'm sort of drawing out the argument here, but um, but what struck me perhaps most about my first my first like week when I got to seminary is that um, there were 80 men who were in the chapel at at the Josephinum freely and and even lovingly singing the like the liturgy of the hours. Mm-hmm. We would sing, we would chant morning and evening prayer every day, every day, not yeah. just Sundays, right? And that was amazing. I had never experienced in my entire life, live, in person, 80 men singing together in unison. And some of them weren't very good. Some of them, especially in the morning, have, you know, before their voices warmed up, sounded like dead cats. But like <laughs> dead or dying cats. Probably dying cats. Dying more cats. Accurate. It's hard to breathe when you're dead. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah. They got nine lives. So anyway, <laughs> one could only hope that these guys had nine lives, right? Nine lives! So... So it was, it was. Sometimes it wasn't the best thing in the world, but I mean, it was still remarkable enough that the chant is simple enough, and yet masculine enough, um, or at least compelling enough that the guys all were up and ready to ready to sing it, even mm-hmm. at like 
six forty-five in the morning or whenever right. it was that we got up, and um, and the same thing was true of evening prayer. And also, you know, going from Purdue University, where you know you sort of had this um, microcosm of secular culture, even even if it's a pretty a pretty relatively conservative culture, to the Josephinum. Um, one of the things I noticed right away is that men were much more engaged, uh, for one thing, in good relationships with each other, but also they would freely sing things walking down the hallway. They they felt normal uh, having that as a normal part of their life, and it was so you could tell it was a much more healthy environment just because they they felt more free to use their voices, mm-hmm. and even even if they weren't the best singer in the world, they still felt calm enough to sing whatever hymn it was that they heard at mass that day or, you know, whatever. And, and that was something really compelling. So as far as, you know, one piece of a cultural element, I think if you, and I'm boys choirs are one thing, but I, but I see, I see sort of the virtue of that is when you have things which are, which are just, um, just oriented towards men, uh, that, that like on purpose don't allow women to participate you actually create a good culture of men and boys working together, and I maybe maybe a men's choir, a men and boys choir would be good, and that used to exist. Mm-hmm. I mean, that used to be a very common part. There used to be multiple choirs for a church, and it would be men and boys, and then the ladies might have a thing, and you might have a joint choir to really fill in the sound, right? Um, in fact, I remember when I was at Saints Peter and Paul in Huntington, I remember looking through the old, the old like. Um, parish directory yearbook or memorial thing, and seeing like here's the picture of the men's choir. And it was like it was like forty guys. How come we can't do that anymore? And the answer is we can, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think you know uh, some people might gasp at this at this possibility, but I think a return to only having boys serve mass um, from the perspective of that that servant leadership that is being portrayed in that role. Um, I think there's something really important to that, and not because I don't like girls, but because men and boys, men, men and uh, men and women are different. And I think there's something that can be said for that. Um, so music, having men do music, and maybe even exclusively uh, in certain certain instances, um, and then and then having things directly directly given just to men to fill out, and then having good leadership in that. I mean, obviously this is something you got to build up. <laughs> but this is, of course, it's it's a whole it's a whole generation, and we're multiple generations away from the last time this was working. So you have to start up a dead engine. You might have to replace some parts. So. Anyway, that's my take. That's fair. What do you got to say about it? <laughs> I just blathered on for like 10 minutes. Well, yeah, welcome to my world. Uh, <laughs> I do it all the time. The Like I said, today you were playing me. Yeah. But the, um, no, I... I didn't really realize I had such a heavy opinion about that until you just made me go at it. Well, I just asked you a question, <laughs> you, man. It's always did. fun asking people questions. It's good. The No, I'm, I'm more... Um, I'm in the vein of, of challenge. Again, like you're, you're thinking about like building up from the ground up. And my instinct is how do I get the guys who already exist in right now? And there has to be challenge. Mm-hmm. There has to be I need you to do something. And men are doers. We, we don't just sit around and talk. We do do that. Uh, duh, that's what you're listening to. But at the <laughs> same time, then like action comes yeah. If we've got a club or a group or something like that, now we will do something together. And my instinct is, is you have to you have to risk yourself. You have to say something bold, provocative, and challenging that could get you hurt and killed. And like that's something like 
uh, we are going to go uh, protest, back when Roe v. Wade was a thing, abortion in front of the clinic. Or we are going to go stand in, in front of we need to find a way to do this. We need to find a way to stand in front of courthouses and protest gay marriage. Mm. We need to do yeah. something that the culture hates. And are you willing to do that with me? Right. Are you afraid? Mm. Well, come with us. And, and things like that. Because this is what the church teaches. And it's true, or it isn't. But I think it's true. And this is where I'm going. And, you know... Your identity has been under threat and attack by antichrist-like forces since you've been born into this this twenty twenty first century. What what are you going to do about that? Because I'm telling you that actually a lot of what they tell you is evil in you is good, and I will tell you where the real evil comes from. It comes from the devil, and it came from the fall of man and our whole break. But that does not make you yourself evil. Uh, rather, you know, you're enslaved to sin and to and to these different things and fear of pain. Mm-hmm. And and by God, though, like I have a mission, and that mission is against the forces of evil, and that mission is for the good of your neighbor and that girl whose heart you want to win, and is for your family, for that father you don't have or you're finding. Um, again, everybody finds the father figure in Jordan Peterson. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's scary. But like, and that would have to come from, speaking again as a Catholic, from the priests. Because the people will not move without us. They are loyal in that regard. Mm-hmm. That if, and again, like, and some might leave in, if, if that doesn't, you know, what do they truly believe? Give people a chance to live what they believe. Don't just let them sit on the fence. Mm-hmm. And follow away, you know, the worst thing is to be lukewarm. Yeah. And yeah. but but if you're trying to get, get guys in, the line to sign up to volunteer for World War II was right around the block. Mm-hmm. And that was or uh, Shackleton had that great if you know who Shackleton was. He I heard was the name, I don't know. He was a, a sea captain who had a was gonna do an expedition to go to Antarctica. Mm. Didn't make it. But but his article that he put out to hire men for to crew his ship was something like uh, little pay, dangerous work, not likely to come back, um, <laughs> will share in, in the glory or something like that. And again, line was around the block. Wow. And uh, like that's also sometimes how I challenge seminarians. Like there is – this is the most dangerous thing you could possibly do in the 21st century is become a Roman Catholic priest. And – Again, like that's how you need to project it to them and likewise to your people. The most dangerous way to live is to be a Christian. The most dangerous way to live is to be a Catholic and is to be loyal to the truth. Anyone who's loyal to the truth is being shot at. Anyone who's loyal to the truth is they're trying to kill. And But by God, if you want to be worthy of a woman's heart, and I think Peterson said that in that too, if you want to be worthy of a woman's heart, if you want to be able to... to protect something and make it last or be a part of what lasts. If you want to know who God is, you come to my church mm. and I will tell you and I will, I will help you meet God. And in meeting, and there it is, I will yeah. help you meet him. Because there, what else are, as Jordan Peterson also said, what else are you doing with your life? Right. You know, what, 
Is it all about you? Do you really want it to be all about yeah. you? Yeah. Or do you want... <laughs> Or do you want to uh, be... The church doesn't... What does he say? The church doesn't represent everything that I believe. Not in the right way. Right. Do you really want it to represent everything you believe? Right. <laughs> like, are you sure? Who, who are you? How, why is this even about you? It yeah, is another yeah, yeah. line he had. Mm-hmm. Again, like, he, he preaches well. Like I said, I wish on some level in another life he was a bishop. Yeah. Not that I believe in reincarnation or anything like that. Well, but as, I wish... bishop, as Bishop Gimli once said, hmm. certainty of death, small chance of success... What are we waiting for? Dude, he was riffing on Shackleton. <laughs> he must have been. <laughs> let, me, let me find Shackleton's. <laughs> I mean, that's, 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 like, that's like the entire mission of the church in a nutshell, right? I mean, certainty of death. You are going to die. Mm-hmm. Small chance of success. You're not, I mean, success in life, like you're not going to have that. What are you waiting for? Into the breach. Yeah. Right? No, there it is. Into the breach. Which isn't, that the, isn't that the title of that one... Uh, once more into the breach, my friends. Once more into the breach. That's uh, into, Shakespeare. In, in, well, into the breach is... Um, here, here was Shackleton's thing. Go for it. It started out, the first two words, gigantic. Men wanted. For hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold. Go away, ad. <laughs> bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return doubtful, honor and recognition in case of success. He he had them all by the end of the day. Yeah, like uh, that that's was, sorry. The apostolic yeah. exhortation um, by Bishop Olmsted of Phoenix, uh, for, formerly of Phoenix, is uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, into the breach. Mm-hmm. Like again, that's what that's what gets you going. Mm-hmm. That I did not want to be a priest. I saw nothing interesting about it. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a soldier. So that's what I did. Well, God still wanted me to be a priest. He's very merciful, and. It's more dangerous than anything else I have ever done, and I couldn't be happier. Uh, that doesn't mean I need you all to be priests. I need some of you to be priests, uh, mm-hmm. and I need some of you to be, like, marryable material, and that means being men. Yeah. There's nothing more... Um, this is another Jordan Peterson line, too, I think. Holy smokes. <laughs> there is nothing... He's got a lot of good ones. Yes, he does. There is nothing more more desirable to a young man than a young lady. And there is nothing more useless to a young lady than a boy. Yeah. And like, so what do you want to be? And, and that's the thing is like, can I offer you that at my church? I'm trying to, I am, I'm looking for a fight. Mm. And again, like not, not stupidly or anything like that, but this is what we stand for. You're not going to start a fight club over at St. Elizabeth's? No. Okay. I wouldn't talk about it if I do. <laughs> but no, 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 no. The, uh, but I, I firmly believe, well, I've got a brew club. I've go. got, I'm Next best on, thing. <laughs> I'm working on other projects. Yeah. The, um, like we are not going to stand here and let them kill us one son at a time. Mm. We are, are going to be you know, servants of the living God, Jesus Christ, we are going to be proud that God became man uh, so that he could save us all, and then we are going to carry our crosses. Again, I, as Peterson said in the video, again, I will ask more of you than has ever been asked of your life. That's what I'm going to ask of you. Now, again, if you want to go hide in a hole till they come and kill you, fine. Mm. But you'll all be all alone, and they will come for you. Um, you know. But instead, you're welcome at St. Elizabeth Ann Seton Parish. And I will be there to forgive your sins, 
uh, to give you Jesus Christ in the flesh. And to strap uh, the armor on you. And Yeah, and, and to tell you what else we, we're going to do. We might have good music. We might have uh, a few other things. But, but here we go. And again, I'll take any woman who's willing to fight too. Yeah. But shout out to Bridget. <laughs> but uh, I'm thinking of a lot of there's a, there's, the, there's a lot of good ones. There's, there's a lot, a lot of, good ones. of good ones. Like, there's yes, but good if there's someone who's ready to fight, I, I, yeah. Anyway, it's true. Yeah, I know. I was at that dinner. <laughs> <laughs> man, Johnny, you backed the wrong horse. Oh, Anyways, man. the um, no, that's that's what I got today. God bless Jordan Peterson. God bless Jordan Peterson. And uh, and and. Yeah, God bless you, my brothers and sisters. Jesus Christ loves you. He's alive and well, mm-hmm. uh, and he wants the best for us. It just means picking up our cross and moving forward. And and so let's do that. Certainly. Cool. Well, my friends, uh, final little piece of the episode will be just simply to uh, add a reminder about September 1st at 7.15 p.m. Eastern Time at St. Charles Borromeo Catholic Church in Fort Wayne. Uh, we will have our 100th episode live event here. Uh, I say here because we are on the parish grounds of St. Charles. Yeah. Um, in the church, in the church proper, we will uh, repose the Blessed Sacrament elsewhere so as to respect our Lord in, in the Holy Eucharist. And we'll make use of the church and all of the uh, sound system and the live stream thing. So if you can't come to the event, you can still watch it on, on uh, we're hoping to have it on YouTube. Um, but yeah, so we'll put the link on the Facebook page for that. And But otherwise, please do try to come. We, we hope to just have some, uh, hopefully some sort of a refreshment kind of thing at a bit of a reception after the episode, uh, which will begin, we hope, promptly at 7.15 that, that evening. Um, yeah, that's all I got to say about that. This has been the Deus Fult Podcast. I'm Father Dan Kale. That is... Father Stephen Felicia. In the flesh. And uh, God bless you, as always. Deus Volt. Deus Volt.